0: Welcome to Writer's Types. We are back in Florida at the BoucherCon Mystery Convention. I'm Eric Bietner. This
1: is S.W. Loudon. Steve, a lot more authors to talk to. I don't know, Eric. It's been already three and a half days, and I'm frankly, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted from staying in a room with you. I know. That's because I am so much roommate for one person <laughs> to handle. That's true.
0: <laughs> well, uh, let's get to it. Let's head right down to the
2: convention floor and uh, talk with more authors. Look out, authors. Here we come. Hey, my name is William Boyle, author of a book called Grave's End. I'm also the author of uh, The Lonely Witness. So, Why is this witness so lonely? <laughs> she's, just so, she's the loneliest <laughs> witness of all. I, I don't know. It was just a cool title. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She actually has a lot of friends. I, yeah, my original title for the book was just her last name, which I love. Uh, her, her name is Amy Falconetti, and I wanted to call the book Falconetti. Uh, then uh, my agent suggested The Lonely Witness. And I liked it, and I like because the book's got all this kind of religious symbolism and kind of this um, under the surface Catholicism that, that relates back to the character. So I like the kind of double action of witness. She witnesses a crime, and then there's the religious sense of witness. So. Wow, he's a thinker. Yeah, is this your first Bouchercon? Uh, Officially, yeah. I was in New Orleans a couple of years ago, but I was just kind of hanging out around the edges with my friend, uh, Ace Atkins.
0: Now, you recently have gotten a lot of praise for uh, being very authentic and getting it right about the sort of New York, Italian-American experience. Is that how you were raised grew up, or
2: is this research? Yeah, no, I'm, uh, despite my last name, uh, which is actually Scottish, uh, my dad was off the boat Scottish but he was out of the picture. I grew up with my mom's side of the family in Gravesend, Bensonhurst sections of Brooklyn. I do write a lot about my neighborhood and people I've known, the kind of Italian-American, I guess, experience in in Brooklyn. What do most books get wrong about that experience? Well, I mean, the kind of cartoonishness of kind of mob characters and stuff like that and just kind of a whole generation of bad writing maybe inspired by The Sopranos and Goodfellas in the wrong way. For me, I mean, it's not really something that I've seen. You know, when when you read about Brooklyn, it's a lot of, especially contemporary stuff, it's about downtown Brooklyn or it's about kind of brownstone, you know, kind of professor types. And I I write about these neighborhoods that are not really covered much, that are kind of on the margins of the city, that are outer boroughs and kind of last-stop neighborhoods. I know I've uh,
0: stolen names from my wife's side of the family yeah. just because they were too good not to like my her uncle's name is Frankie Santangelo. Yeah, yeah. So I was like I got to use that.
2: That's I mean I love the I mean actually in The Lonely Witness I I get a lot of names from people I've known. In Gravesend I took a lot of names from kids I went to school with. And then in The Lonely Witness there's Mrs. Epifanio, Mr. Petzalani. And these are I mean these are real names of, of you know either people I've known growing up or I get them from the obituary pages or or, you know the funeral homes in my (laughs) (laughs) neighborhood. This is Ace Atkins, and you're listening to Writer Types.
3: My name is Thomas Pluck. I'm the author of Bad Boy Boogie, the uh, first uh, J.D. Marteau uh, crime thriller that's uh, up for Anthony uh, best paperback original this year.
1: Well, congratulations on the nomination. Uh, where, were, where were you when you found out about it?
3: Oh, I wish it was somewhere exciting, but I, I think I was at work and the email popped up and everyone got to hear me go, eee, in my office, which happens a lot when, you know, being a big hirsute man like myself. Yeah.
1: Now, I understand you're up against Eric Pruitt, uh, who is a bit of a nemesis. He's been doing a bit of a, uh, a bash campaign on social media against you, and I'm wondering how you're feeling about that
3: nemesis. I wouldn't even grant him that title. He's a gadfly. He's a, he's a good guy. He can write, but I'm a fighter. I've, you know, I've trained for 10 years. You know, you, you learn to take your uh, opponents, uh, you know which ones to take seriously. If you do
1: win the award, how much do you plan to bash him in your acceptance speech?
3: Oh, I wouldn't do that. I do it in the parking lot afterwards. Sell tickets. <laughs> What's next for you? Are you working on a new book right now? Well, I've completed the second uh, J.D. Marteau novel called Riff Raff, which uh, will be coming out in fall of next year, just in time for BoucherCon. And I've completed a little funnier novel that uh, I'm calling Death to Hipsters, much lighter, you know, which I call it my uh, craft beer and uh, hipsters versus suburban Nazis cozy. Cozy.
4: Yeah, I like to get cozy too. Well, hello. My name is S.A. Cosby. I'm the author of the upcoming novel, My Darkest Prayer, coming out January 2019. All right. So you're
0: at a writer's convention, primed and ready with your debut novel. How is this experience going to be different next year when you're an established author and everyone knows and loves you?
4: I hope it, it pretty much stays the same because I've really enjoyed meeting Um, some of my idols, some of my contemporaries, um, some people that I look up to that maybe don't know I look up to them, and also meeting some of the readers who are really interested in the process and are really uh, welcoming to me as far as being a new writer. And I hope next year I'll have more experience and more stories to share with uh, some of the readers and some of the uh, um, other authors.
0: Now, you are from Virginia. And I, th- I think I'm going to take a guess that your novel is probably pretty firmly rooted in more of a southern kind of a rural uh, noir crime vein. Is that right? Mm,
4: yeah. I, I, what I wanted to do and I hope I achieved was to create a novel that used the southern motif and the southern rural crime motif from an African-American perspective. Uh, I feel like that's been sorely underrepresented in uh, previous novels and movies and films. And so I wanted to kind of tell stories of uh, people that I knew and people that I grew up with um, in a rural setting, but also kind of maintain uh, a certain level of excitement and hopefully uh, uh, a complex mystery as well.
0: So is anyone in this book, uh, this is based on people or experiences that that you know, or are are people gonna be able to read it and think, (laughs) hey, he's writing about me?
4: Well, I think most people have a hard time recognizing themselves, but there are a couple people who are uh, the templates for some of the characters in the book. Um, the book is set, uh, the main character works as sort of a, a, a guy Friday, if you will, at a, a funeral home. Oh. And uh, I work at a funeral home, and so um, I kind of use that setting to create some of the stories. Um, there's a couple people in there, there's a uh, his partner, who uh, is a, a friendly, benevolent sociopath who, uh, <laughs> who helps him out. And, and, and that's based on a, a guy I went to high school with. But he won't recognize it. He won't know it's himself. So. Right.
0: <laughs> well, if I read any of your upcoming work and I get suspicious, I'm going to call you out.
4: <laughs> no, no, I would never base anything on you, Eric. Right. Not at all. <laughs>
0: Right, back again to take a little bit of the burden off of our shoulders, my sister Gretchen with another author interview.
5: And I am here talking to debut novelist S.C. Perkins. Her debut novel, Murder Once Removed, is being released next March. It's already won an award, so you're definitely going to want to pick this up. So, welcome, Stephanie. Thank you. Um, so,
6: what has the publishing process been like for you for your first book? Do you have any advice for other aspiring authors? Oh, it's been a real eye-opener in a good way. <laughs> I've really enjoyed the whole process. I didn't realize how many edits you do go through once you actually get them back from your editor and then it goes back again and again and again, but it's been good. And um, my advice is to read your novel out loud and um, and to go to conferences like Bouchercon and malice domestic and left-coast crime and all that and volunteer that is my biggest advice because i have gotten to meet so many people and learn so much just from going to these panels and volunteering and helping out and you get to meet other authors in a non-threatening way whenever you're volunteering so it's (laughs) it's been wonderful yeah excellent
5: um so your protagonist lucy lancaster she's a genealogist Mm -hmm. So have you done a lot of genealogy research in your own family? Any juicy family secrets? Um,
6: no juicy family secrets that I know of, but um, but yes, it, it does run in my family. Even throughout my, my great-grandfather wrote a genealogy book about our family and whatnot. And I am related to Anne Boleyn, and I am wow. related to Humphrey Bogart. And so there's there's some cool, cool stuff. And, but it's really neat. I've always been interested in it. so well, Anne interested. Boleyn,
5: I guess that's not really a secret so much, but that was a little juicy. Yes, she is. Yes, she's very juicy. I was like,
6: oh, I wonder if I get some of my stubborn. And from her, wow, well, there you go. But yeah, exactly. So yeah. she's
5: cool. Um, so you're working on the next book in your series? It's, I you're am, planning it as a series, y- right? Yes,
6: I am planning it as a series, and we'll have to see how it goes, because, you know, I did, uh, you know, I got published through winning this contest, but it, it, it does only guarantee me this one book, and so we have to see how it goes. And luckily, I'm honored to say I've been getting some really lovely reviews, so we'll, we'll see yeah. and hopefully. Yeah. Well, congratulations. I'm excited for the book to come out. Thank you. And last question, since we are in Florida. Alligators or sharks? What's scarier? Oh, God. Sharks. <laughs> sharks scarier. It's oh, been the my... consensus so far. Right? I mean, Jaws. Come on. You know? I'm a <laughs> child of the 70s. Of course Jaws. I mean, it's scary. Yeah. Alligators, I'm like, eh, whatever. I've seen them a bunch and everything. You just stay away from them and they'll stay away from you. But, uh, sharks?
7: Oof.
8: My name is Rebecca Drake. I write psychological thrillers for St. Martin's Press. My latest book, Just Between Us, came out in January.
0: So, Rebecca, you uh, sort of made it known that your characters start on more of a lawful side and slowly become criminals over the course of it. How how does, like, why did that intrigue you as characters?
8: I'm just really interested in ordinary people who find themselves in circumstances that some of us do and most of us don't, but have to, you know, I'm interested in choices that people make and So I'm interested in that capacity for evil that lurks in all of us and the capacity for good, too, but that moral dilemma. And so I'm interested in uh, the decisions that people make. Then people think that they're making decisions for the right reason, and often it leads them down a bad path.
0: And how close have you been to making some bad decisions in your life?
8: Well, I don't think we want to say that. Here, no, <laughs> never, no, no criminal record. I was a thief as a child. I stole a lot, but that's reformed totally. I stole a lot of candy. Nothing, <laughs> nothing terrible. Would I admit to it? I don't think so.
9: Not if you, not yeah.
0: if you were smart. Yes, the smart criminals right, never right. get caught, right?
8: Exactly.
0: So uh, we also talked a little bit on our panel that we had this morning about uh, the, the evil that lurks in suburban places and the yeah. places with that veneer of goodness and all is well. Like what, what do you think makes that sort of environment uh, a ripe ground for crime fiction?
8: Um, for me, it's interesting because I think in suburbia especially, um, there's a sense of expectation and sometimes of entitlement too. You know, people move to the suburbs usually because they want a better life, better schools, more land, more space. And, and often in the communities I write about, which tend to be fairly well off, I'm just intrigued at this idea that people think that these are safe communities, yeah. and really crime exists everywhere, right? And so I'm always interested in the place where there's this veneer of perfection, but underneath is really often you know just the stuff that we associate with it, perhaps a perhaps more urban area, but it's really going on, it just looks a little bit different or is hidden a little bit better.
9: Okay. My name is J.J. Hensley. I'm the author of several mysteries and thrillers. Um, the next one is called Record Scratch and comes out in October through Down and Out books. Uh, now, you're one right before that, Bolt Action
0: Remedy, that's, that's out now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard a lot of praise about that. What do you? What, how do you feel when people say good things about your work? Are you uh, basking in the glow or do you kind of shrink
9: away? Uh, I'm still at the stage even, what, five novels in now that I'm... Uh, uh, I'm still surprised, um, and I, I I probably need to get get over that, but I'm fine. I, I, so I, sometimes I'm like more accepting of criticism. I'm like, oh, yeah, of course you think it sucks. So that's, you know, thanks for the one star review, though. The, when somebody's like, oh, you're, you know, I really loved your book. I loved how you did that. I'm like, hey, what, you know, what are you up to? What's your angle?
0: You're a suspicious person, as a good crime writer should be.
9: Yeah, I have my, my background in law enforcement comes out, and I just, I, I, you know, I kind of nod and smile, but then I, I you know, check to make sure my wallet is still on me. <laughs> Uh, and the new one, a Record Scratch, is this uh, is this about uh,
0: like vinyl junkies uh, stealing things, or what, what's this one about?
9: No, it's it's a sequel to Bold Action Remedy. It's uh, the protagonist is Trevor Galloway. Uh, he's a former pl- Pittsburgh police officer who is a private investigator now, and uh, it is about the murder of a rock musician. And it uh, he's been tasked to solve the murder, and his client is the sister who then hires him, and then she kills herself. So that presents a bit of a problem and are you gonna record a companion album for this if if anybody has ever heard me sing you would know that that would justify the one star amazon reviews
0: (laughs) well we know you you prefer the criticism
9: so if you get up to do karaoke i won't i will not compliment you (laughs) no 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 it would be justifiable at that point
0: hey i'm lou bernie and you're listening to writer types
10: Hi, I'm Lee Matthew Goldberg. I'm the author of two novels. Uh, my last one, The Mentor, just came out with uh, St. Martin's Press Thomas Dunn books. And my debut was a noir novel called Slow Down with New Pulp Press.
1: So Eric, I don't know if you know this, but actually Lee blurbed one of my books, and it was an excellent blurb. And what I'd like to know, Lee, is what's the secret to an eye-catching blurb? I think the secret to eye-catching blurb
10: is, A, it has to be a great novel that you're writing, which it was, so that really helped. His stop. <laughs> <laughs> Just end there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's number one. I mean, you get, you get asked for a lot of blurbs, and sometimes, you know, you read 50 pages, and, you know, I remember with yours, I read the whole thing, and I wanted to read the next book, so that that's super important, too, and I think, you know, in thinking of, of like, a, in like a Hollywood standpoint, giving that, like, log-line pitch almost with a blurb that's gonna make a reader wanna, like, grab it and read it and and read more
1: we're, we're standing out outside the men's room here at BoucherCon mm-hmm. and I'm wondering how many podcasts have tackled you outside the men's room and asked for an interview
10: so this is actually my first interview at your so yeah <laughs> I should go to the men's room more often and just make it happen because like that's where the podcasts are I guess are,
0: are we catching a pre men's room or post
10: because I don't, don't want to stop this was group. post and I got pulled in a bunch of different directions so it's about an hour after so like we're all good yeah, yeah. Good. <laughs> Speaking of restrooms,
0: Daniel Palmer's here. (laughs) I can't
11: follow that. That was so good. You were really articulate. That was excellent answers. I'm I'm nervous now to follow that. Well, Uh, it's okay. We have some softball questions for you. Have you picked out a favorite men's room in the hotel? My favorite's always the last one I used. So I try not to really get attached to any of them.
1: You toilet in the moment. Yeah, I Mm -hmm. toilet (laughs) in the moment. It's
11: really zen of me. It's kind of how, you know, it's sort of a philosophy. Really
0: lifestyle, I
11: suppose. Yeah.
0: I kind of don't want to even ask you about your books now. I just want you to be known as Daniel Palmer. You're the toilet guy. Yeah, the toilet guy. That's that's actually where things are right now.
11: Glad that you brought that up. Um, No, they're good. Things are good. No, they're not in the toilet. They are the opposite of the toilet. I'm doing great. Everything is fine. Mom, if you're listening, I'm okay. I promise.
7: (laughs)
0: Well, Daniel, you you are uh, definitely known for writing, let's call them, breathless thrillers. I mean, you you really go for it and try to sort of keep the adrenaline at, at a ten the whole time. Is there is there a secret to starting and sort of keeping that red line going the whole way? Yeah, it's ADD. Uh-huh. Like if you're naturally, you know,
11: if you have an attention deficit issue, you're going to just write as breathlessly as you possibly can otherwise you'll bore yourself. So that was what I my first rule that I was taught that stuck with me is don't bore your reader and I try to adhere to that.
0: Nadine Netman, award nominee, are you looking forward to this weekend or is it fraught with nerves?
4: No, I'm
8: super excited and like all of us are friends on the that are nominated, so whoever wins a friend wins, so it's exciting.
0: Uh, all right, <laughs> it sounded good on audio, but I could see it in your eyes.
8: Oh, that's not true. No, I really am happier for everybody. But I'm, I'm excited. I'm really happy to be here and I'm excited to be nominated. Congratulations to you, too.
0: Well, thank you. Now, we, we did some interviews earlier uh, with some, some real big names. We talked to Lawrence Block and Ian Rankin. And, so now
8: you've lowered yourself
12: to me. Well,
0: I'm, they put us in the, the wine room there. We were surrounded oh, by wine.
13: That's fantastic. If
0: you were going to talk to a, an author that you really admire, what would you open to uh, lubricate the situation?
8: Ooh, uh, that's a very good question. Probably sparkling wine. Cause you know, like just like start the start it off with an aperitif, let's get some bubbles going.
0: Look at that, a genuine, like real life useful answer. I like it. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much. Well, and good luck to you.
8: Thank you. Good luck to you too. All right.
0: <laughs> All right, once again, we are venturing out with Mr. Eric Pruitt, author, podcaster and last time we were together in Toronto we went on a a long adventure looking for some local cuisine. Here we are in Florida. What are we headed out for now Eric? Oh man we're gonna get us some Cuban food. Is there a specific Cuban dish that you're looking forward to?
14: I think they're all good. Like I like ropas viejas and I'm also a big fan of mofongo but uh, I think tonight I'm gonna look for one of the best Cuban sandwiches that I hear they have in town.
1: So Eric, when you go to a town, do you always scope out the local or famous cuisine before you get there? I do, I do.
14: I like to find out what the area has been known for and then where to get the best one of those things. Eric, we are here at the window of, what's it called? The Bodega de Cubana. Which means? Bodega of Cubana. (laughs) So uh, what do you think, a sandwich or a plate? Man, I want a Cuban sandwich. If I was getting a plate, I'd get a lechon, which is slow-roasted mojo pork with grilled onions. That's barbecue. Steve, what are you using it?
1: I'm going to get the uh, slow-roasted mojo pork plate. I think it's called mojo. (laughs) I'm
12: going to get the mojo.
1: I look forward to your your review. Okay, Eric, your sandwich just arrived. Uh, Without tasting it, what are your first impressions? Man, that thing looks good. I almost don't
14: even want to taste it just because it looks so good. It's a pressed sandwich with ham and mojo pork, based on my research, and cheese. It's really good. So go ahead and take a bite. Mmm. Don't, don't talk with food in your mouth, Eric. Okay. All right, sorry. That's great. That's really good. What, really what did I just say? <laughs> Man, it's really good. They've got some pickles in there, too. Really good. Secret pickle? I think they're pretty public about the pickle.
0: <laughs> you know, Eric Pruitt is a fantastic author. Now he's a, a wonderful
1: podcast host with the Long Dance Podcast, but I think he can add food critic to his list. Well, I think like a lot of writers, he actually has some uh, restaurant experience in his background.
0: <laughs> I thought all authors were frustrated musicians, but we're all actually frustrated food critics. Is
1: that uh, what it is? Just the two of us, Eric. <laughs>
13: Uh, hi, I'm Kaz author of Sweet Little Lies, which came out a couple of, couple of weeks ago now. In fact, two weeks ago to the day.
0: Well, that's very exciting, <laughs> but is it a little less exciting oh since this book has already been out in the UK no, for a year? No,
13: it's amazing. It's like being a debut twice. <laughs> I've just finished up with book two, and to put Sweet Little Lies hat back on after it did really well in the UK. It's just, it's, it's everything but on a much bigger scale, again, so. Now,
0: I think we here in the States have sort of a perception that, uh, you know, cracking the American market is, is kind of a big trophy. Is that really true?
13: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll see. But when I talk to people about it, they're either insanely jealous, or they're... Ins- Cynical, that's not the right word, but America's very hard to crack, kind of, so I just, you know, I'm just keeping it level-headed at the moment.
0: And uh, did you have a history of reading a lot of uh, American writers?
13: Yeah, yeah, do do you know, I would have 100% said yes to that question until today when I was I was in the airport and I was looking for... I'd actually run out of a book and I suddenly realised I hadn't read a lot of American procedural crime. So that's kind of my target to bring back to the UK now to, to embrace. I picked up a Lisa Gardner and I'm about a third of the way through and loving it and it's like, right, I've got a new series to look at now. So.
0: Nice. So uh, speaking of series, your uh, the second book that you handed in is the second in this series. When you started on this journey do you have a a number of books in mind or are you just kind of winging it
13: yeah um, I've got I mean I think most writers you have a hundred different ideas but it's when you actually start trying to unravel them you work out no that would never work that would never work but I always I always wanted it fingers crossed to to be a series and I kind of wrote Sweet Little Lies with that in mind in terms of the character development and, and just kind of trying to embed the team and, and who they are. Um, I love series crime so it's kind of what I, yeah, what I set out to do.
0: Now I- I'm not going to say that you do this a lot but when was the last sweet little lie that you told? Oh there's dozens this morning, you can't was, even think. I was going
13: to say, I mean, I'm trying to bring one to mind now, but I'm sure, I, pro- I probably haven't since I've been over here, but I'm sure I tell them to my husband all the time about how much things cost, and what. I'm, especially since now I work from home. I'm always, oh yeah, I'm, I've been really busy, I've done this, I've done that, I've done this, and actually I've barely got dressed and I've just written all day. So um, yeah, I might not have told one for a couple of couple of days, but I tell many. As we all do. Exactly. (laughs) If they don't hurt anyone, then...
0: That's the sweet part.
13: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: (laughs) So is it hard when you're in that writing mode, uh, like, to convince your husband that part of writing sometimes is just sitting on the couch and staring into space?
13: Uh, Yeah, and coming to America and... (laughs) Being treated like royalty by a publisher that's work he did refer to me coming on holiday a couple of times and i kept correcting him saying i'm a bus- I'm, I'm business and no he's he's we're a couple of years into it now and i think he he gets he's great for helping me unravel plots and bouncing ideas and i dragged him around london looking at a suitable place that i could dump a body and looking at cctv and that kind of thing so. wow that's like that's
0: an interesting date night i don't do that with my wife <laughs>
13: Yeah, and then we'll, you know, we'll go for something lovely to eat, and then we'll go and look at where it's possible to dump a body in central London. Wow. That's
0: romance is <laughs> If I ever make it to London, now I know <laughs> no, no. A, a night out, yeah.
13: <laughs> I'm Laurie Raider day and you're listening to Writer Types.
0: You know, Steve, I just got back from the Seamus Awards, and uh, I did not win. Oh, that's a Seamus. <laughs> How long have you had that locked and loaded ready to run?
1: (laughs) Two or three years.
0: (laughs) Well, it was an exciting evening and I was glad to attend, uh, and I did get a chance to talk to a couple of the winners. Were they
1: willing to talk to you?
7: (laughs) Uh, Kristen LaBianca, author of the Roxanne Weary Mystery Series.
0: The Seamus award-winning series. Come on, don't be shy.
7: Yes, the Seamus award-winning series.
0: Was that uh, an exciting moment? I was in the back of the room watching your, your victory celebration, so congratulations. Was it entirely unexpected?
7: It was 100% unexpected. Uh, I was shocked, and I honestly don't really remember like the, the 10 minutes that immediately followed the announcement. It's just kind of like a blur. I don't know. I never win anything, so... It was well, shocking.
0: <laughs> you can't say that anymore. That's true. <laughs> it's got to be really gratifying to know that people are really responding to this character that you have set up for a series, and it almost gives you permission, like, okay, I can really dive deep, and you know you're going to be riding her for a while, right?
7: Yeah, definitely. Um, it's amazing to hear that people are embracing Roxanne, especially because she's a queer protagonist, which isn't quite as common in mystery as we would like. So I love that the people of all types are really digging her and her voice. And that's just like such an honor to be able
12: to write her. Hi, this is Rich Saradnik. I'm the
0: author of The Coleridge-Taylor Mysteries. The latest one is Lights Out Summer. And a brand new Seamus Award winner. Congratulations.
3: Yes, thank you very much. Um, I won for best paperback of 2017. And you were there. You could tell I was quite surprised. I wasn't expecting it. You were. You were a little taken aback. But
0: I got to think, was there any part of it that you think maybe I was your good luck charm? Because we were sitting right next to each other.
14: Dude, uh, you're actually going to have to attend every conference with me from now on. I'm, I really
0: uh, think that's the, the magic. Just uh, just enjoy it. You, you, you have Seamus Award winner in your bio f- from now into eternity.
14: Oh, you got it. And I'm, I, I was looking at the plaque in my room at one this morning
0: just staring <laughs> at it. <laughs> well, congratulations. I'm tired, Steve. What do you say we hand this next one over to
1: my sister, Gretchen? Gretchen, take it away.
5: And I am here with award-winning author Susanna Calkins. So welcome, Susie.
15: Oh, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, So
5: Susie is the author of four books in the award-winning Lucy Campion series, which is set in 17th century England. But you have a new book and a new series that is coming out, The Speakeasy Murders, coming out early next year and that one is set in Prohibition era Chicago. So why the switch from 17th century to 20th century?
15: Well, you know, I started thinking about different kinds of um, historical mystery to eras that I might be able to write in and I thought, oh you know, what interests me? And I thought, you know, I live uh, in Chicago area now. And I thought, you know, it's really fun thinking about, you know, 1929, thinking about like the St. Valentine's Day massacre. It's the year right before the um, when the when the stock market crashes and it's the year before the Great Depression. And so to me, it was like this really pivotal, dramatic moment in American history, in Chicago history, and I thought, that's a great place, plus speakeasies and cocktails, I mean, plus murder. <laughs> what, more? what more do you want? Yeah. And I know as part of the research for this book, you researched a lot of cocktails I of the era. I so did. At, how many did you end up trying? Well, okay, so my goal is to have 100... Uh, Prohibition era cocktails uh, by the time my book launches in April of 2019 and I've had about 26 although Ooh, so yesterday <laughs> I do I do but and I I've had um, so far my favorites have been um, gin rickies and bourbon rickies and sidecars and they are delicious
5: so you have, you have the recipes down pat now so you can I make do them not home. because no. <laughs> people
15: keep asking me and I'm like I should know this so a gin ricky apparently has gin and ricky For everyone that wants to try one at home, yeah, that that will really help, and you know, sidecar side in a car and (laughs) apparently that's gin also. (laughs) Um,
5: So how was it researching a book that's set in your adopted hometown and in a much more recent era versus over the pond? Yeah you know
15: yeah no it's really funny Um, it's a great question because in you know 17th century London um, that was you know my dissertation was set you know that's where I I did a lot of archival research and you know I spent a lot of time just kind of reading documents from the period but it is not lived history or at least you know, where in the United States it just doesn't feel lived, it, it's kind of gone history. But you know, in Chicago. I mean, I can just say, like, you know, that 1929, Chicago, and everybody's like, my grandmother used to cut Al Capone's hair, or we had a tunnel in our basement that led to the speakeasy. I mean, everybody has a story. So to me, it's like a it's a living history, and I find that pretty awesome. Yeah,
5: yeah. <laughs> um, so you also have a short story that is up for an Anthony Award this year called The Trial of Madame Pelletier. Um, so, it, and you said it was your first, is this the very first short story? Story this you ever wrote?
15: It's not the first story, short story I ever wrote. The first short story I ever wrote that's published will be in Holly West's anthology that's um, based on the um, songs of the Go Go's. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the very first one, but it's not out yet. Um, but the very first one that I ever had published is in this, this uh, um, Mystery Most um, Historical, which was the Malice Domestic anthology. It's set in uh, 1840 France, and it's based on a very famous uh, at the time. Uh, Poisoning case of a woman who was a po- accused of, inc- of of poisoning her husband. I had an idea of rethinking the case. Right? My whole story, while it's based on this lady poisoner, I completely retold it, but it's told from the perspective of a maidservant who who is was employed in this um, this home of the of the woman. And um, and so to me, it was sort of a, a way of rethinking a real an actual case.
5: Um, and last question, since we are in Florida, uh-huh. alligators or sharks, what,
15: what are you more scared of? Well, I did hear this story about alligators where um, there have been human skulls found inside um, the alligator, and so I'm going to go with alligators because that seems problematic. Thank you. Everyone else has said sharks, and I think alligators
7: <laughs> yeah.
5: too much because they can get you on land or the water. I think they're, like, pretty frightening. Yeah. <laughs>
8: Hi, I'm Anne Louise Bannon. I am the author of Death of the Zanhero.
1: You and I live in the same neighborhood in Los Angeles, and we are sitting down for an interview across the country in St. Petersburg. So what kind of crazy people fly across the country to hang out with their neighbors? Californians. (laughs)
8: Californians. Yeah. <laughs> it's Angelino. It's, it's got to be an L.A. thing.
1: I, I, I thought she was going to say writers because those are,
0: uh, as we discovered this weekend, the craziest people of all.
8: I, I, without question. I mean, you know, I mean, come on. How many voices do we have going on up here? It, 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 it's, you know, I, I, my head's a very noisy place.
1: Last count, 13 for me. I'm not sure about you guys.
8: <laughs> I lost
15: count years ago.
1: So what have you learned in this third BoucherCon that you did not know previously?
8: I learned that I can hand out bookmarks and not be obnoxious about it.
1: <laughs> That's a good skill to have.
8: It's kind of scary, you know? I mean, you know, you, you've run into those people that they're selling their books and they, you know, you like, they, they put the arm twist on you, make you feel guilty if you don't buy it. It's like, yeah. I don't want to read that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Steve, I hate to disappoint uh, the people, but I think the news is out there. We did not win the Anthony Award this year.
1: Wait, what? <laughs> you were there. I swear you were there. I know, but it's selective memory. At this point, I'm just blocking it out. <laughs> well, we were also a little bit saddened to see that the Malmons didn't win for the Killing Mauman Anthology, but... Hillary Davidson did win for best short story for her piece that was included in the Killing Maumens anthology. So that's a win for writer types. Exactly, and several of our guests, including
0: uh, people like Kelly Garrett, won for uh, best first novel. I mean, this, uh, the guest list from our show really mirrored the nominations list for the Anthony's this year, and it was really exciting
1: to see. Wow. Is that you taking credit <laughs> for the winners of the Anthony Awards? Yes, 100%. Oh, okay, well, then I'll go with you. Good job us. Hi, this is James Ziskin, and you're listening to Writer Types.
12: Hey, my name is Matt Phillips. I'm a crime writer from San Diego, and my books are Three Kinds of Fool, Know Me from Smoke, Accidental Outlaws, and uh, various others. Matt, is this your first BoucherCon? This is absolutely my first BoucherCon. I'm super stoked to be here. Um, St. Pete's is a beautiful city, and uh, yeah, it's it's, uh, very exciting.
1: Geographically, were you waiting for a BoucherCon to be as far
12: away from home as possible in order to opt in? (laughs) <laughs> my wife said exactly the same thing um, And she's like, isn't next year it's, it's on the west coast And I'm like, I don't know uh, I, didn't, I didn't answer that question But um, I used points for the flight So that counts for something Smart, Smart. is not the first time that Steve has been compared to your wife I just want
1: to point that out <laughs> That is the weirdest comment you have made in like four or five minutes
12: <laughs> I'm not going to say you're prettier than my wife But you're close <laughs> Wow I feel extremely weird right now and a little bit turned on. You should feel pretty. Yeah. This is all about you, Steve.
1: <laughs> this is the intervention I've been waiting for yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, so Matt, you, uh, you come armed with, uh, with books And you've got some stuff that I think is pretty new, right? It, w- one of those is brand new Which Tell me which one
12: Yeah, absolutely So I have a book called Know Me From Smoke it's, cool. it's an urban crime thriller It's from uh, Fahrenheit Press, which is based out of the UK Right. So.
1: Fahrenheit is uh, fairly new to me It got on my radar this year But I've read a couple of books from authors on that publisher Sure um, How did you get connected with
12: them? You know what? It's funny. Uh, you guys actually had Nikki Dolson on the podcast, I think, last episode yeah. or episode before. And so she has a book called All Things Violent, I think it's called. So um, through that book and then also um, Grant Nichols' books, uh, he's a Kiwi author and he writes um, sort of these books set in Iceland. Um, that's how I knew about Fahrenheit. Like the books, needed to find a home for my book and submitted it. And there you go. The
1: rest, as they say, is history. That's right. Yeah.
16: Hi, I'm Ron Phillips with Shotgun Honey, and I'm also the editor of Deadlines, a tribute to William E. Wallace. Uh, William was a person who was in our community really giving, and uh, he wrote uh, Face Value with Shotgun Honey and several books with all due respect. Chris Radigan is also the co-editor on Deadlines. It's just a great tribute book to somebody who cared about the community and fell into writing late in his life. And unfortunately, you know, Cancer, the big C, took him out and... He fought till the end, and he had lots of plans, even though he knew his deadline was close.
1: He was a really great guy and a a great writer, and so we were really honored that you asked us to participate in this anthology and tribute to him. Yeah, and and
0: we should mention that the title Deadlines is is appropriate because William was a newspaper man for his, his whole life, and so... The theme of the stories was had you know something to do around newspapers. That was fun for me to yeah. come up with something that was sort of newspaper noir.
16: Yeah. yeah, yeah. The goal was to have newspaper-related stories as well as the kind of stories he told. He he liked telling Parker-esque type stories. You know, you, the bad guy that you just had to like. You know, because he was doing the right thing, even though you knew he was a bad guy.
0: All right, there you go, Steve. I don't know about you, but I am tired. Tired of me? Yes, that was implied. Understood. (laughs) Well, uh, it's been a great weekend in Florida. Thanks so much to all the authors who took their time to chat with us. Uh, The BoucherCon organizing committee, it was a fantastic weekend, incredibly smoothly run. Uh, Always a good time.
1: Yeah, and big shout out to Erin Mitchell. I mean, the way she put on this event this year was super impressive. She was a fantastic host. I wish we had gotten to spend more time with her, but something tells me she was a little busy
0: but you know the exciting thing for us is in upcoming weeks we're going to play you some of the longer interviews that we banked while we were there including some pretty big names steve
1: i don't want to drop names lawrence block but i think it's important for us to promote lee child the events that we have coming up because in rankin it's important for the show for people to know i agree well you'll have to
0: tune in if you want to hear those uh, names that you might have subtly picked out there uh and if you like the show please Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, every place you can leave a
1: review. We appreciate it. And make sure to tell your friends. Thanks for listening.